The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well today. Um, I noticed you got a bunch of different people with different jerseys on. And uh, I just want to say for those that are not wearing Seahawk jerseys, there are other great churches out there. So anyway, um, also if you're online and maybe you have an other favorite team, uh, maybe put your favorite team in the comments and we'll delete all the ones that don't say Seahawks. So um, there's that. No, I'm just joking. Hey, uh, we're going to land in Exodus chapter 18 here in a few moments. But uh, before we get to that, just a quick, uh, I want to take a, a window of time here and just give you an update. As you probably saw, as you came on campus, especially if you came around the front somewhere, the perimeter fence is up for the construction. We've said before, things are ramping up. And uh, so if you came and you parked in this area over here, 47th and Grove corner kind of stuff, that's going to be blocked off starting next Sunday. So just as a heads up, all of our parking will be this direction along Grove and then out the back and, and, and kind of out there. So just a heads up there, be flexible with us. We're trying to work through this the best ways that we can. It's obviously good news because it is progress, but it does mean there are certain challenges with it. And we've mentioned the buzzword shuttling, which we're working on the plan coming up. So you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. Also, um, I want to say thank you. Uh, you know, we've begun the work and everybody that's given towards the legacy campaign. We launched that in December. I appreciate immensely everyone's generosity. Obviously, we did Miracle Sunday on uh, May 21st, you know, a few months back to, to raise a certain amount to start the project because the, the, the price tag was so high. Uh, I just want to mention, first of all, I do want to say thank you to everybody that was part of making that happen financially. But also, that is one hurdle in, you know, others that we maybe could see coming up and stuff. And we did scale back the project because of the price tag. And so, yes, we still are, you know, raising funds and we appreciate your generosity that way. If you've made a pledge, I just want to say this, if you're maybe relatively newer to the church and maybe you haven't taken a step like that, or maybe you've been around for a while and you haven't taken a step yet, I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider that because we use language at the church all the time. It takes all of us for we to win. We're all in this together. And so just something to consider as we move forward, we still have a ways to go financially again. And just something to consider and be prayerful about. And we'll keep putting updates out there during the week, letting you know on Sundays what's going on, because as we say, you know, some things are changing and stuff. So you'll hear about those logistics. It's always our goal to keep you in the know on all of it. And again, celebrating because we are making room for people to join the church family. Amen. <clears throat> Um, I want to jump in here. And uh, when I, back in the olden days, when I learned how to drive, um, I drove the kind of car that had uh, on the driver's side, there was the rear view mirror over here. And of course you have or the side mirror. And then over here's the rear view mirror. You see cars behind you and stuff, but it wasn't the model that was nice enough that had a mirror on the passenger side. So maybe you had one of those without a mirror. That was me. Uh, of course, the windshield, the window wipers, the rear window with defrost, because I was pretty amazing. But the nicer version of that model had a window wiper. I didn't have that kind of car. Um, that's how we figured out where things were at as we're learning how to drive. And that's many people in the room. Well, nowadays you're aware that there are all kinds of technology that started with, I think at some point, backup beeping in case you got too close to something. And then as time went on, there's the camera and you can look over on your dash and see what's behind you. And of course, as time's gone on, there's cameras in the front of your car that show how close you're getting to something. And there's cameras on the side, all that. And there's even some of you with your high-end cars that like your car says to you, you're getting too close or whatever. And congratulations on that. But technology is amazing. And some of us even have a spouse that tells us how to drive. And that's super fun. It's one of my favorite pieces of technology. It's been around for a long time. So anyway, but uh, 
It doesn't matter how much technology and, and, and what they can do for cars, for you and I to drive safer and safer. Of course, that's the goal. But no matter what they do, we'll always have blind spots when we're driving. We're always you know, looking over our shoulders and stuff, but there's always blind spots when we drive. And, and the same is true just in general in life, the word blind spot. By definition, if you look this up, it basically means the point of entry in the optic nerve on the retina that's insensitive to light. And so there, you know, we, we have these blind spots kind of in our peripheral. My sister-in-law, Tyra, she has really bad peripheral vision to the point where I think she can only see like from here this way and anything like that direction, she, she can't see at all. And so and again, we're familiar with the idea of blind spots when we drive or the idea of blind spots when it comes to the retina. But most of you know where I'm going with this. We all... Let me, let me make sure we're really clear about what I'm saying. We all, we all, we all have blind spots when it comes to life. Every single one of us, in fact, that's the definition of a blind spot. Like we all have and we don't know that they're there, but we all have blind spots. And, and sometimes it's spiritual blind spots, emotional blind spots, sometimes, excuse me, psychological. Sometimes it's social, relational blind spots, I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and, and I don't want you to elbow your neighbor, especially if they're your spouse, when I ask these, <clears throat> but, but I want you just to think about it as I bring up a couple of questions. Has anyone ever said to you, and here's some questions, do you realize how that came across, and all of a sudden you realized maybe you didn't know how that, whatever that was, came across? Or maybe somebody has said to you, um, you know, why are you yelling? And you're like, I didn't even realize I was yelling or you didn't think you were yelling and somebody tells you you're yelling and that's a fun conversation. Um, or, why, you know, have you ever considered as you're talking with somebody, have you ever considered that the problem goes deeper and the problem you've explained has been something that you've been plagued by over and over, but you've never thought about a, another way to think of the problem. And so there's so, sort of a new way to consider it. Or maybe it's as simple as, why are you so, you know, sad or why are you so, so stressed and you just weren't able to pinpoint why that was? And then, and this is a confession on my end, which is terrible as a pastor, but sometimes somebody will say, well, have you prayed about it? And you're like, well, duh, I should say yes, but no, I haven't. There's all kinds of, of ways, like I said, that you and I have blind spots. And the fact is, if you and I are left to our own devices, we can end up in regrettable situations. And sometimes even as we sit in the regrettable situation, we don't always understand why. Blind spots. Sometimes what happens is we keep going and keep going and keep going. We keep having the same issues, problems, mistakes, regrettable situations, and keep wondering why things keep going that way. Anybody ever heard the simple de definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. It's, in it's insanity. And, and honestly, that's where we live our lives. And yet here's some encouragement I want to give you. First of all, did you know that our creator has given us key solutions so that we can see things that we don't necessarily today see? And I would say, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the first two in particular today, but I would say this, and I want to encourage you with this, for any of us, and most of us in the room would be in this category, Christ follower, I'm following Jesus, I'm, I'm learning what this means, I'm a disciple, I'm, I'm leaning in to my faith in Jesus. As a follower of Christ, one of the primary gifts that God has given us is the Bible. 
And I talk a lot about the Bible, using the Bible. The Bible is our plumb line for life. When we started 2023, we did a whole series on the Bible because we talked about where it came from and how it became what it is. And we went from Genesis all the way through Revelation, kind of 35,000 foot view, but it is a gift for you and I and the plumb line for how we're called to live our lives. I'm a huge proponent for anybody of being a regular, a daily reader and studier of scripture because it shows us how to live it. It reveals blind spots in our lives. When you and I take time to read scripture, it's amazing how we feel conviction and we have to repent of certain things. We feel correction. We feel a steering from one direction to another direction because it keeps us where we need to be. Like our series off the rails keeps us on the rails. It's amazing what scripture can do to, to, to tell us to run away from certain behaviors, certain things that are our vices. Scripture, the Bible, is meant to be one of those things that reveals blind spots in our lives. The second one is the Holy Spirit. If you've ever read, and you can, if you're taking notes, write this down, John 14, 15, and 16. In the Gospel of John, as he's writing about the life of Jesus as an eyewitness, one of the things he writes about throughout these three chapters is Jesus saying in different ways over and over, I'm going away. I'm going away, I'm going away. But then Jesus says, but it's a good thing I'm going away because if I go, then I'm going to send to you, anybody wanna fill in the blank? The Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm going, but I'm gonna send my spirit. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit that's gonna live inside of you. And a bunch of different times in those three chapters, John identifies ways that the Holy Spirit works in convicting and challenging and all this stuff in us. But part of understanding this is God gives us a scripture and I believe that's the primary plumb line for our lives and the Holy Spirit that dovetails into what scripture teaches us to guide our lives. And I would challenge you, you need both because if you only have the Holy Spirit and you're not leaning into scripture, let me give you a warning. There are all kinds of things that have been done in the name of Jesus that have nothing to do with Jesus over 2000 years of Christian history. And there are people even today that, that would purport things like, well, God told me to leave my spouse or God allowed me to steal from my employer because they weren't paying me enough or God, whatever. And there's all kinds of things that don't line up with the character that we read about in the new covenant over and over when it comes to personal integrity. So we need the Holy Spirit and we need the scriptures to help us navigate blind spots in our lives. And the third one, I'm going to focus on this one for a bit today. The third one is we need people. See, what you've got to understand is God created you for community. And you go, that's not new to me for a lot of people. That's not a revelation. But, but when we talk about needing people, sometimes we bristle. Like, I don't like to feel needy or that feels vulnerable or that feels mushy. And I want to set aside every one of those excuses because we are created to live intertwined with other people in our lives. We're created for community. Proverbs, if you're taking notes, Proverbs eleven fourteen, and there's a ton of Proverbs that talk about this, but Proverbs eleven fourteen in the message version says, without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. 
And then Proverbs 15, 22, and like I said, there's plenty of others, but here's another one that I love. Refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. In the next few weeks in this series, we'll talk about some facets of how we need others. Uh, We'll talk about encouragement and strength and things like that. Today, I want to talk about how you and I need the wisdom and advice of other people. And I want to talk about in Exodus 18, this story that we've looked at a bit, but I want to dive into it today. Exodus 18 is the story of Moses. And at this point in Exodus, they've left Egypt, hence the word Exodus, to come out of. They've left Egypt and slavery, and Moses has led them into kind of the wilderness in between Egypt and slavery and the promised land. Moses is leading, and Moses goes up to the mountain, and Moses is downloaded from God all kinds of wisdom, and the tablets from the commandments are given, all this stuff happens and Moses knows a ton. Moses is leading the people of Israel. And you can imagine it's a huge task because Moses isn't leading a hundred people or a thousand people or even a hundred thousand people. Moses is leading, you know, again, the number can, all kinds of theologians have thoughts about this, but up into maybe the millions that Moses is leading as they've exited Egypt. And as Moses is leading, he knows stuff. And people are relying on him to provide them wisdom. So Moses is doing his job. Moses' father-in-law named Jethro shows up and Moses is like, hey, good to see you. Like hanging out with you. The next day I got to head to work. Why don't you come visit me? And that's where we find Exodus chapter 19, excuse me, chapter 18, verse 13. The next day Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. Because Moses knows stuff from God, they come to him to get the judgment about what they should do. People are in conflict with each other and they come to Moses and Moses tells them, here's the problem. It says they waited before him from morning till evening. In other words, Moses sits down at his place of work in this seat or whatever, and people line up all the way to the sunrise, all the way off into the distance and get in line to wait for Moses. And they wait from morning till evening. And some of you guys are like, it's like the DMV. I know. Okay. But if you work at the DMV, again, great churches out there. I'm, I'll help you find them. Anyway, um, <clears throat> but it says they waited before him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw, now here's the deal. I kind of lean towards Moses, he's humble, but he's feeling pretty good about himself because everybody comes to him. And I kind of lean towards maybe Moses feels like, hey, Jethro, come watch what I do because I know stuff. And, and, and so Moses is doing his job. People are lining up. He's kind of like, man, let me tell you this. Let me give you some wisdom. It takes a few minutes with this group. They leave, this couple, they leave. And, and Jethro shows up. And you can imagine Moses being like, Jethro, check it out, man. I mean, they're coming to me. I know stuff. And Jethro takes a look and he sees the long line and people are worn out and they're running out of bottled water and all this stuff. And um, so Jethro finally speaks up and says this, and you might know where I'm going here. When Moses' father-in-law saw, observed, and took note of all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? And and so it doesn't start out with Jethro going, wow, Moses, you know a lot of stuff and look at all these people. You're really something. Instead, Jethro goes, what are you really accomplishing? Why are you trying to do this all alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? 
And, and so here's Moses in the busyness of him leading the nation, but at this point sitting in a certain chair and having people line up until, you know, way back in the distance, Jethro shows up and goes, this doesn't seem very effective. And here's Moses' answer. Well, because the people come to me for a ruling from God. When, when a dispute arises, they come to me. I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. Moses basically says, it's God who met me on the mountain. It's God who showed me how we're supposed to live. It's God who's given me the information. No one else has the information. Why wouldn't they come to me? I'm the one who knows all of it. Moses at this point is so busy doing that he hasn't stepped back. Literally, he hasn't stepped back to consider there might be another way. And there's your sermon. For many of us, as we live out our lives, we, we look at certain situations and we're so busy doing that we haven't stepped back to consider, is there something more effective? Is there something better? Is there a process that would expedite this situation that, that, that I'm, I'm handling right now? Have you ever been in a place where you've been doing something a certain way and it takes an hour or two hours or three, it takes a couple, it takes a long time and then somebody comes along randomly after you've been doing this for months or maybe even years and they show up and they do the very same thing you're doing and they finish it in like 30 minutes. You ever been there? Okay. I would imagine if you stop to think about it, every one of us has had this happen before that you're doing whatever you're doing and it takes you an hour or two, someone else shows up and they know how and there's a better way and there's even a technology or a tool or something like that that would make this way better and they show up and do it and you're like, what? Where have you been all my life? <clears throat> this week, uh, I decided to replace our kitchen faucet and I've done this before. In fact, the one that was in there was the one I put in and the sprayer wouldn't work right. It would get stuck and so it would be stuck on spray and just make a mess. And we put up with it for months and months and tried to get the dumb button to come out and sometimes it would, but basically it was stuck. So finally on Labor Day of all the days, because on Labor Day, you're supposed to do labor. So anyway, on Labor Day, I just, I'm going to Home Depot and getting a faucet, you know, do this. I get underneath to, to take it apart and take it out. And there's a pretty large bolt under there that I'm trying to get, or, or not, excuse me, that I'm trying to get unthreaded from, from about five inches of, of, you know, the sink itself or the, excuse me, the faucet itself. And I can't get it undone. And of course the basins are in the way, so there's no room to move. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And it should take probably 30 minutes, let's say an hour. I'm four and a half hours deep. I've been to the hardware store multiple times and at this point, I bought everything I could figure out at Home Depot that could fix the problem from drill bits to different wrenches to all, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And I started with the cheapest. And so I'm trying to figure out what to do. And finally, um, I get the, the, the nut itself about an inch down on it. So it's kind of loose. And I'm like, I, and it got stuck. I'm like, what in the world? So I'm trying to get it. And I got Heather's under there. I'm on top and she's down here and I'm over here and I'm trying to get it. And we can't get the thing to, to, to go anywhere anymore. And it's stuck on there. So I was frustrated. I'm like, stupid thing. And I kind of do this and the granite busts off. Yeah, these are great moments in my history. So <clears throat> I'm like, you gotta be kidding. I'm beside myself. And my first thought is, I don't have $15,000 to replace our countertops. I don't know what we're gonna do. And I start pacing. 
And my wife's just standing there. I'm like, I'm sorry, babe. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. And, and I'm walking and she's super gracious about it. And I'm literally, I'm like, I don't know what to do. So, so we're, we're talking about it and no four letter words, by the way, accountability. There you go. No four letter words. I was just like, I, this is nuts. So we're talking about it. It's, it's evening's wearing on. It's 830 going on nine. I make a couple of phone calls to people who work on uh, home renovation stuff that I knew. And I'm like, what would you do? Whatever. And like, well, you could try this or that and like buy a bigger sink and it takes up more space. You cut the, anyway, I'm trying to figure it out and I don't know what to do. Heather finally says, let's just go to bed. And so, and by the way, after the, the faucet was still stuck because the sink was in the way of irony of ironies. Anyway, I don't know what to do. A couple days go by and I'm busy day and night doing stuff. And so I, I don't have a solution. We don't have a sink. I don't know what's up. And um, I, I literally like, Lord, and I did pray. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do here. I have no solution. I don't have money. We can cut the counter out and put a new one in. Um, I'm in a random meeting with Pete and Ryan a couple days back. Well, a few days ago now. And I rem- I'm like, Pete, you, you work in home stuff, man. I, I, is there any way? I said, here's what happened. I'm not kidding you. Pete goes, oh yeah, piece of cake. I'll send a guy. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Like piece of cake, I'll send a guy. He goes, no, no, I got this. Don't sweat it. I know a guy. I'll, I'll send a guy out. I'm like, you're kidding me. No, no, just give me your picture, whatever. So a couple days go by because I'm busy and, and I get, a, get some communication from this company and they send a guy out. He shows up at 2.30 on Friday. By 3.15, he had it all fixed. I'm like, hallelujah. Angels are singing and there's gold dust from the, you know, I don't know. It was a ma- fixed, fixed. And I say to the guy, I said, do I need to wait a bunch of days to let this harden? No, no, you could do it now to put the sink back on. So anyway, got all put back together, the faucet, put back together. Um, we live happily ever after. Our house is amazing now. Everything's great. But again, like I, I'm, I don't know what to do. And I'm going, God, I don't get it. And in a random meeting about, in fact, building stuff that we're trying to figure out, I just remember, oh, and he literally, man, I'm like, the dude, Jesus, thank you so much. Why do I say that? Because there are other people in your peripheral that maybe you don't even know today that God would ask you to open your heart and relationship to. And yes, in this series, we're talking about life groups. And I will tell you, and there's story after story in this room right now sitting here of people that have opened their hearts to the community of groups that we have and gotten to know others and they're better off because of it. And I can say that is my story. And I can go back and in the busyness of our lives, and I've said before, like, we don't even own pets because we're so busy that things have been neglected. Our lives are busy, but my wife and I have always prioritized that kind of community in life groups. And I would say personally, my life is better. And there are individuals I can look at around here that have been in groups with me that have made my life better because of your wisdom, because of your encouragement, because of your strength at certain points, because of your prayers. And I say that because Moses was so busy, he never considered another way of doing it. And you and I take for granted, like, come on, Moses, if you're so smart, don't you realize there's other people that are decently capable? And and Jethro comes along and that's what he says. Moses says, everyone comes to me. God's told me all the stuff. So I have to tell them the stuff and they come to me and they line up and I tell them. And here's Jethro's response. This is not good. Everybody say that. This is not good. good. Jethro says to Moses, this is not good. You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. All by myself. Okay, there you go. There's a song, okay? If you saw the post, there you go, okay. Anyway, verse 19. 
Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. Who is there in your life that can say that? And by the way, part of understanding how Jethro said it was not, here's what you better do. Quit being a moron. The caveat of the last part of that sentence was literally, let me give you some insight. And if God is in it and you feel that, then do it. So there's a grace there. Somebody earlier was asking me, when, you, when somebody gives you advice, what if you don't do it? I said, it's not, if I'm giving advice, I'm not demanding people do whatever I say they should do. I'm just giving them perspective. It's up to you to go, do I want it or not? I mean, I would say on any given Sunday, it might be like a 50-50 that you all leave here and go good or you go, ah, whatever. Guy's a crackpot, okay? I don't know. I mean, I, maybe it's better than 50-50. Let's hope anyways, but... It's not up to, uh, when we offer, when we extend whatever wisdom we have, you can't demand that somebody, I mean, unless they're your kids, I guess, but you can't demand another person just do whatever you say. But you do have a responsibility to extend the wisdom that you've been given, to offer the advice that you might have in these situations. But, But back to the question, when it came to Moses and Jethro, do you have people like a Jethro? And maybe it isn't a father-in-law, but is it a friend? Is it somebody that's been down the road a bit further? Is it somebody with a different perspective? Like I said, when we talk about groups and the launch here in a few weeks from now, I I believe providentially God is going to bring people into your circle of, of friendships in that season that will make you better, that will sharpen you. Jethro goes on to say to Moses, you should continue, this is his answer, you should continue to be the people's representatives before God, bringing their disputes to him. In other words, Moses, you're called to pray and seek God about all this. You keep praying. And then he says, teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. So he says, your responsibility is to pray about all the stuff And to teach people what you know that God downloaded to you from the mountain. Teach them that stuff. And then identify, select capable men. This is verse 21. Select from all the people some capable and honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, have them bring the major cases to you. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. Verse 23, Jethro says it again. If you follow this advice, you believe God's in it, then you will be able to endure the pressure and all these people will go home in peace. And verse 24, because Moses is identified as one of the most humble men in history, it says this, Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. These men were always able to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. You and I, all of us have blind spots. And the way God designed community and relationship to work for all of us is to rely on the collaborative wisdom of other people. 
they can solve things that are taking you days and months and years sometimes because they have a perspective. And no, I'm not saying it's always perfect. I'm not saying you just bow to whatever anyone else says, but I am saying when you offer relationship to others and build those bridges, and there comes moments where there's decisions and you're wondering and you're curious and you're looking at scripture and you're praying about it and asking the Holy Spirit to guide you, there are times where God sends you the answer and you have to, by faith, open your heart to those relationships. The, the, the thing that happened this week with, with Pete, I, I, I didn't expect, I wouldn't go into the meeting thinking about it even. I was literally working on what are we going to talk about, building stuff and all the details. And in a moment's flash in the meeting, after I'd been praying about it for a couple of days, it's like, he knows how stuff, he's got connections, ask him. That's just how I felt. So I did, and it was solved. That's a perfect example, I guess. But there are all kinds of examples that God wants to do that in your life. So let me ask you as we end today, who in your life offers you wisdom, offers you another perspective? Who is there? Who are you willing to submit to at times in order to get more and or better information before you take certain steps? When, and here's the question I want to end with, when and how often do you say to key people around you, I could use your advice? That ought to be a regular conversation. That ought to be a regular conversation. When and how often do you bring up in conversation with others you have a relationship with? I could use your advice. Because sometimes, just like Moses, we get so busy doing all this stuff that we don't step back to consider maybe there's a better way. And oftentimes, there is. Not all the time, but oftentimes, there is. And other people know it. And if you're willing to open yourself, and I would say in the context of our launch of life groups in a few weeks, do some community stuff. Get into community. Let's look at scripture together. Let's pray together. Let's share about what we're learning together and watch what God can do because he wants to because we were created for community. Jesus today, <clears throat> there are all kinds of, of reasons why it's easy to kind of set this aside. And I think for a lot of us, we're just busy and, and like Moses, it's, it's almost comical. Like, Moses, honestly, you're the only one in the whole nation? Honestly? But, but for us, it's, it's kind of an indictment. Hey, you're so busy. You're not thinking of a different way to do it. You're not asking someone around. You're not building bridges with others that might be able to give you some options. And it's amazing when we don't do that, how long we endure not solving certain things, not, not finding the answers that we really need. And I pray you would open our hearts. And I pray you would help us realize there is wisdom. There is perspective. There is advice. There is experience in this room that some people know nothing about, but it would literally be the solution to the strain some people feel. And my prayer as we navigate towards the launch of groups is that you open our hearts in humility to take time carved out to do life with others to build bridges in new ways. And I believe in the span of our life groups coming up this fall and of course winter and spring, that God, it's cool to see what you do. That, oh, you do that? Wow, could you help me with this? And wow, that's the solution I needed. I pray you would do it. We look forward to those miracles that will happen, God. But I thank you that you create us for a community, which includes the humility to involve the wisdom and perspective of others. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.